0: I'm Greg Bentnelli. I'm Jackie Rhesus. We're super excited to be here for this, literally this fireside chat, and it's hot. Uh, So I'm super excited, it's a big pleasure to be here to talk with you. Um, We have a great audience. Um, For those of you who don't know, Jackie is Leeds Square Capital, um, which I just have to ask the first question, how does this little dongle company that goes into an iPhone become a $30 billion Public Sensation? company, Yeah.
1: Yeah, Square's in a really interesting spot. We should start there. Um, started as a little dongle almost 10 years ago, literally to the week. Um, and if you really think about it today, it has a breadth of financial ecosystems across both consumer and businesses. And so on the business side, where Square is historically most well known, um, we now have a broad ecosystem of payments and e-commerce APIs, hardware, um, invoices, payroll, consumer management. It's incredible. And lending, which I run. And at this point, we're one of the biggest small business lenders in the country in only a few years um, for sm- very small businesses. Um, and we've done about 600,000 loans to date. And what are, th- um, what are those,
0: who is the customer and what do those loans look like?
1: So... Um, Our customers are Main Street. It's the pizza shop, the coffee shop, the hair salon. So if your coffee shop is in a chain and their cappuccino machine breaks or they decide they have a great line outside and they want another cappuccino machine, they have nowhere to go. And literally, if you are the average business owner across the United States and there are 30 million of them, you have zero opportunity for credit. I mean, it's kind of startling. So for loans less than $100,000, you have to go find alternative sources. Usually it's friends and family, and now you have companies like Square, where because we're able to do things that no bank has ever been able to do, like pre-underwrite businesses based on the insights we see from their payments data. That is an extraordinary change in the way lending has been done. And frankly, lending's been done for 5,000 years. And if you think about barter, then cash, then credit, it really is the vehicle that enables the economy to grow. And so lending's a huge business within Square at this point, too. Um, As I said, we are one of the largest small business lenders in the country. And one of the other interesting things about who we lend to that I am really proud of is that 54% of our loans are to women and 37% are to underrepresented um, minorities. And if you think about who in the economy has been removed from getting credit because we're able to see financial data, we're able to see the success of businesses versus walking into a bank branch and having someone create personal friction around what they see, data they need to get, or their own personal biases around who they should lend to. And so I think we've proven um, that we can remove any kind of bias from lending and do it unbelievably successfully.
0: And are most of your customers came from the pipeline of those who used the POS services?
1: Almost all of them did. And so if you think about the ecosystem that I started talking about, it's really interesting because we've now been able to make it kind of a self-fulfilling ecosystem where lending is an acquisition channel at a point of sale. And our point of sale system, which are somewhat ubiquitous, you see them all across the country right. and in other countries, um, is also an incredible data source and tool for lending and other channels, for payroll. For, for And so it's it's become an incredible ecosystem. And then there's Cash App on the other side. Right. If anyone hasn't downloaded Cash App, you should absolutely download it. It's a peer-to-peer payments business. You can buy and sell Bitcoin. Um, if you want to buy and sell Bitcoin really easily, um, it's super cool, it's really easy to use. You could get a cool cash card, it's black, you can have laser etching with like your logo, your personal logo, much cooler than a typical card. You have your own logo? I don't have a logo, my house has a logo on Woodside, I don't have a a logo. (laughs) Can
0: you talk a little bit about, (laughs) I found Square um, fascinating, we were talking earlier, I feel like it's a publicly traded startup um, with yeah. three distinct businesses. There's the POS business that we know and see we use every day. Yep. There's the credit business and there's this, the cash business. Um, and you see you know, Stripe just raised at a $22 billion valuation. Yeah, it's great. You can't trade in that. It, and it feels like the amount of innovation out of Square over the past thousand days is unlike most private most, companies, yeah. let alone public companies. So what's it like inside where the CEO has two jobs and there's a lot of other people around, them, but I think just kind of inside the ropes would be super interesting. Yeah,
1: so um, I think Square is a great case study for entrepreneurs and for investors to look at how innovation can be done internally. Because um, if you think about Square, all of the innovation is all organic and that's really different than a lot of the successful, and we have multiple business lines that are multiple billion dollars each. Right. That rarely happens and so... I think creating the vehicles for innovation and kind of making sure scope creep doesn't happen around stopping creativity and leaving room for creative expression to happen, leaving room for hack weeks, leaving room for people to kind of go off and say, I want to go create something. Let me have five engineers and I'm going to go make something kind of cool. If you don't have those structures in place at a tech company there's something wrong. And going and figuring out like all the things you've built around process and structure and formality and whether you should look at every single one of them from top to bottom. Even something like OKRs, which everybody right. seems to be bought into as this wonderful expression of organization, you have to ask the questions whether they are killing creativity and killing long-term thinking. Right. And so the last thing you want to do is get caught in this trade where you're completely focused on short-term. Versus like, all right, I know this is going to be a product build for four or five years. I'm fine with that I'm focused on the seven-year bet not the one quarter bet and that kind of thinking is super important in Keeping innovation. I mean we're now 3400 people, but we do have these multiple multi-billion dollar Bets around innovation, and we've got lots more coming in the pipeline. We just launched A debit card for businesses that's kind of cool same design elements around um the card there's no logo on the front you can sign it you can laser etch it it's gorgeous you sign with your finger remember you couldn't do that before square right um you know lots of innovation are things that people just take for granted around you know the little the little point of sale machine turning around you sign you click and you're eat you magically get an email. All of that was kind of foundational to building the customer experience of Square.
0: People don't, you run Square Capital, but you also run human capital at Square. Which I I think is kind of a little bit interesting.
1: Well, because I'm in an audience of VCs, I'd say um, I ran a, a big part of Apex Partners and I was a private equity investor for 20 years. And what I hadn't quite come to appreciate was that being a private equity investor is like running HR. And the easy part is finance, tax, structure, accounting. Like anyone can do that after a period of time. You do a few deals, you know how to do them. Sure, you get better at it, but the evolution around that is not so hard from a skill point of view. The hard part um, is working with entrepreneurs and helping them build their business. So how do you build a board? How do you build an executive team? How do you help a company grow? Where do you put your foot on levers of growth to help it maneuver? And and it's all talent-driven. Right. And that's, frankly, what private equity people do. And it's what you do when you're trying to go build a company. And so it's an interesting way to think about, like, who do you have running that function? And how creative are they being in trying to drive innovation through people? Because it's all about decisions you make in who runs things, how you run them. And so decisions like that are kind of fun. How many, if
0: you looked around, you know, Ten billion dollar plus companies, there can't be a lot of people who run business units and human resources at the same time. I
1: don't know that right. that's necessarily a good idea. <laughs> um, you right. know, um, there was a point in time at Yahoo when I ran M and A and H R, and that really threw <laughs> people off. Um, and the reality is, M um, and A is also a very people and culture driven business because if you don't get the integration right. You usually destroy a lot of value because you both waste your company's time and you waste. You basically destroy the business you bought. Um, and so I do think a lot of these challenges are very people and just business focus driven. Right. Um, I frankly think the world we're living in now also around the intensity around diversity and trying to build. Um, teams and in an environment of low unemployment is kind of an environment where people need to be paying attention like if a board isn't looking at what's happening around harassment diversity imbalances cultural dynamics of the team if boards aren't doing that they're negligent in their duties like a hundred percent negligent and I'm not saying that things won't go wrong a hundred percent things something will go wrong somewhere But you have to really pay attention to it and at least understand what the cultural dynamics are in a company that are driving the behaviors of a team. It's always weird dynamics that that you might not be paying attention to. But if you look at statistics, companies that have good cultures outperform companies that don't. State Street and um, BlackRock actually just released shareholder letters on it talking about the outperformance they see by paying attention to corporate culture and i think it'll be an issue that more and more people pay attention to um, and founders will apply intensity to the issue as opposed to kind of leaving it to the sidelines
0: can you imagine square getting to say 10,000 people you're primarily based in san francisco yeah. what does the second and third act from a either geography perspective or a talent perspective look like for you know the yeah. next couple years
1: um You know, I think I heard a statistic um, that companies like Google have now interviewed every engineer in the valley. Right. And um, when you look at the imbalance of um, engineers in and engineers out, where they exist, how many jobs are needed in any individual city, San Francisco can't continue to maintain um, its total hub and kind of dominant position in tech. It it can exist, and I actually don't think it should exist. I think companies are much better off with a fragmented workforce around the world. I think you have to get over conventional norms around how centralization actually makes um, work easier, and you have to build the systems in order to create decentralized workforces, because it's where you're gonna find the best talent. That doesn't mean you can't set up a framework for how to think about it. Like, the framework might be, You know, people of a certain level have to congregate around a manager. You have to have someone of a certain level opening up an office in an area. But I think companies should go where the talent is and not be constrained by virtue of geography. We're far past the point where you actually have to show up in an office in order to be productive. And so I see a lot of opportunity in cities like Dallas, Atlanta, Philly. Even cities like Paris and Berlin um, and Toronto, Canada, has incredible AI talent because of the professors at University of Waterloo and University of Toronto. If people aren't looking at where professors and the engineering talent is located as the vehicle to drive office location, they should go back and look at the framework for how they make those decisions.
0: How far ahead of the curve do you have to get? So if you're thinking about... Toronto in 2020 to have 300 staff members are you do we have to think about that now or is it the summer of 19 i
1: I think hiring for talent is so hard right now that you got to just start go start small and build okay um and so you know you could start with a handful of people you always have to start with one and then you just um you know, can add from there. And I, you know, I do think it takes time depending on the city and it also takes time depending on the company and the company's growth. I would not want to be a startup in the middle of mountain view trying to find, you know, engineers right now. I just think that's a really hard environment where you might find, um, more talent, um, in Austin or wherever. And, um, you know, I think people need to change their, their, their paradigm about how they think about where to add people.
0: Yeah, that's super. We see it in the board meetings every day, and I agree. Transitioning a little bit, I think a lot of people don't know. Two other things I want to get to. One, you were on the when you were at Yahoo, you were on the board of Alibaba. Kind of the insights of that, which is now a $450 billion company. You ran audit. You ran comp, which must be super interesting discussions. Um, just a little... What's happened since then and kind of review and how it ties to things like immigration or the perception yeah. of the Chinese and things like that? I think you have an unfair yeah. insight that I think would be awesome I, to hear.
1: So, you know, Yahoo didn't always start with a great relationship with Alibaba, it started with lots of contentious um, relationships, and we changed that um, well before they went public. You know, I I was very impressed. I love working with the Alibaba team. They're brilliant and wonderful. They created a model that's very different than Amazon, um, where they created their marketplace model very early on um, versus focused on a closed system. Um, They have an incredibly successful business. um, And I think um, when you look at the number of unicorns that are coming out of China, The amount of AI research that's being done there, they're a force to be reckoned with. And when you go there, um, you feel the energy and growth behind what they're doing um, in a way that's fairly profound. If you haven't gone to China and spent a lot of time um, there looking at tech companies, it really is um, kind of a profoundly life-changing experience to see the velocity of investment and what's happening there.
0: I think that's a great way to appreciate that. We go all day. Um, Our time is up, but it was awesome to call. Thank you. Yes, thank thank you. you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. It was awesome.